I will definitely call you back later then. Come on, wrap it up. Big circle up. Okay, you don't wrap up the circle thing. Come on. Mr. Parker, wrap it up, please. Okay. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. And before we get to my guest, I do want to let you know, uh, South Santa Rosa News is reporting that there is a 13-foot great white shark that has washed up on Navarre Beach, and they're dealing with that this morning. The video is up on our Facebook page if you want to see for yourself. But, um, you know, just uh, FYI, the things that happen. You know, it's their home, not ours. Um, joining me here in studio today, we have uh, Charles Thornton, who is the vice chair at the Escambia County Republican Executive Committee and a re- repeat offender here on The Rep. Charles, welcome. Oh, welcome. I am so glad to be back. <laughs> it's Andrew. good to have you. And Annie Terhar, another repeat offender who, uh, <laughs> you know, former city council member, works at uh, Terhar Cronley and, you know, just just, just working commentator. <laughs> Mayoki. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, also Mayoki. Uh, f- officer this year? Uh, well, the head of the new court. So the okay. new court, there's a new court every year. So we're, right. we're, Fair so enough. Fair we're in charge enough. of them. Um, Malcolm Young Jim. <laughs> You, you were on city council before the $750,000 decision, which had kind of come up this week. Uh, I assume you've been kind of following this story and you're well aware of the gym. And, uh, you know, you sat on council, but you weren't on this council making this decision. What did you think of the discussion and the decision to demolish the gym? That Now the temporary restraining order was denied by Judge Frederovich. So it looks like the demolition will proceed. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was disappointed they're going to demolish it. I think it's got a lot of history. And plus, it can really serve a great purpose for the city. You know, when I was on council, my big thing was I, I didn't think the city should be in the real estate business. So, uh, you know, instead of demolishing it and trying to redevelop it and something else, if they're going to build another gym, that's great, but I don't think they are. So I, I would have been more apt to say, hey, let's sell it the way it is and let somebody else either fix it up or do something else with it. So that, that would have been my two cents if I was still in there. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, we certainly have seen uh, uh, inability to fi- finish the development of projects. I mean, the obvious examples of the Pensacola Tech Park, uh, which is not a city property, but still. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Maritime Park and, you know, Old Stinky, all that stuff. But then we have other examples like, you know, it's kind of a stark one. I, I, I saw it the other day when I was driving past it. The Coca Cola building right. looks amazing right. mm-hmm. across the street from the medical facility. That looks like they just got done filming, uh, you know, a Halloween movie in it. And they're literally across the street from each other. And I know single-purpose medical facilities are a lot harder to renovate and reuse. But still, that's um, it's interesting to see some of those contrasts, Charles. Uh, yeah. I, um, the the, the uh, individual that's in charge of uh, the old Coca-Cola building, she came and spoke at the uh, – it's been about two or three years ago and spoke at – at one hour rotary meetings, and uh, she, that was a lot of input, you know, a lot of donations. There was a mm-hmm. lot of planning, and a, and a lot that went into that. So, if you want to get one of those buildings, especially the historical type, you're going to have to do a, go out and get grant money, you know, oh, yeah. shake the local community, uh, uh, get state funding, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, a lot of the and, and, and speaking of Malcolm Young, I, I grew up with Malcolm Young, and a lot of the, I it was really a great building. But I think with the city and their vote, and I'm all for historical type buildings and the folks that came before the council, I think it was a matter of uh, the city, would they have had the funds to do a, uh, to continuously? Because mm-hmm. once you get it, you, you either got to rebuild or you got to go in and completely do the infrastructure. It's a double-edged sword for me. So I just, I just kind of, kind of on the wisdom of the council and the uh, mayor, but I would love to have seen it stay up with renovation, but where would the funding have came from? I don't think the uh, 
I may be wrong, but I'm not sure that the, uh, the, the groups that came forward would have been able to maintain a particular in their capacity. They are constantly raising funds to, to promote and, and keep their own particular uh, thing going, their right. own grants going. And yeah, the, you know, th- things like the, the Coke building, for example, I mean, it's, you know, like Amir Filati, I know he, you know, he did the restoration of the old, uh, you know, the yeah. gas station. And it takes not just somebody who, they got to be able to get the money. It's going to take a lot. It's got to be a passion project. Somebody's got to care about it. And we want more of that. It's a beautiful thing when it happens. And yet, I, you know, I mean, I think the reality is we can't keep it all. We want to keep it all. You know, I would have I, I, I would have loved to keep a slice at least of the Hallmark School, but that obviously did not happen. You know, and, you know, you hate to see these things go away. But when they get neglected for so long and they're in such bad shape, it really is a question of, well, how much money do we have? How much money are we willing to devote to restoring and preserving these things And we, when we don't have grant money necessarily to cover the cost of it? And what else do people want us to do with our governmental money, right? I mean, that's that's the question. Yeah, it's always a balancing act. You never know if uh, spending money on one thing is going to upset some people and not spending money on something else is going to upset someone else. So, yeah, you got to make those decisions. And so, you know, I think they – and I like the idea that they, they made a decision and they're sticking with it. That's, that's, that's something that, you know, sometimes in government you see where someone is teetering on and they won't make it and they're kind of right. floundering around. But, you know, D.C. seems pretty good about saying, hey, no, we're doing this. This is what we're doing. And, 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 and I actually, you know, I, because they've started the petition process, I think I would have favored uh, – you know, let's just wait on the demolition and give them a chance to see if they can raise their 4,000 signatures. I don't know if he's going to—he seemed to indicate that they were going to proceed with the demolition regardless, but he didn't want to comment on it too much because it was a legal proceeding. But now the TRO has been denied. You know, even if you have the right to do something, it doesn't mean that there's not maybe a even more— inclusive or grace-based way to approach something and you know i know he wants to demolish it but i still kind of hope that he'd give him time to get the signatures even if that's not the answer he supports that's the process you know but i also get he doesn't want to let every judgment of city council be overturned by a threat of a petition right 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 yeah and 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 does the petitions and and i'm you know i'm just speaking as more so as an analyst Mm -hmm. than than a political person but but even if you get the petitions, does those petitions equate to funding? You probably also right. need to go out and get a backer who can who can kind of guarantee you something. I think I believe that's what the city is saying. If you want it, if you want it, don't just say you and your group because then you got to look at financial yeah. capacity. You, you, when when you commit and when you go to save some of these group uh, historical sites, you need to come up with the uh, uh, funding. The signatures does the signatures does not always equate to funding. Those right. are just people who are passionate about sending that, and, and there's some outside work. No, that's a great point. And that gym, which was the training ground, breeding ground for some very, very successful athletes from this area, people who might theoretically have money, if they, you know, True. if yeah. those people didn't think it was worth putting their money behind saving it, then maybe that's a statement too. And if they want to, then that's also a statement. So that's a, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, I think the big statewide news this week has been HB1, the social media ban that's also been melded in with the pornography access age verification requirement that you have to be 18 uh, in order to access adult material online. Um, I'm, I've been for this from the beginning, even if it's you know riddled with problems and it's going to have legal challenges and it's going to be incomplete enforcement. I just feel like, you know, 100 years from now or 20 years from now, we're already starting to see some of this is people are going to, you let kids do what? You know, <laughs> like I can't. 
And, uh, you know, you've got kids. Andy, do your kids do social media? How old are your kids again? I have a 20-year-old daughter. Okay. So and, she's, yeah, she's all about social media. And does she have an opinion about this bill or, you know, that you've talked to her? I don't well, know. Well, she's at Auburn right now, so yep. I don't think it's you know, <laughs> going to affect her very much. But, yeah, I mean, she she we've had discussions with her, obviously, when she was younger. And now her being a young adult, what now? So I'm, we're kind of letting her make her own decisions. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is important to to, to – Social media is so new that we don't really know how it's going to affect people long term. And so, you know, it's one of those things where we could wait and see. But if we wait too long, then it could be, you know, the negative effects could be too, too great. So we have been conducting a massive social experiment with people who did not agree to the experiment. (laughs) Not really. And to see what does social media do to kids, their psychological health, their uh, addiction, the way they interpersonal communications, all the things that can be influenced by it. And I think an awful lot of us are looking at this and saying, I'm not sure that it's good for adults, but it's definitely not good for kids. And that's, you know, but it's up against the parental rights argument, of course, which is parents should be able to make this decision for their kids, right? Right. And uh, I always, I kind of look at things from a political perspective. And uh, and I look at the votes. It, it came out, uh, the House or the Senate, when it came out overwhelmingly, you know, with the majority of the votes. Bipartisan but, for the bill yeah, on both, yeah, in both houses. That's right. Yeah. And, and the governor was against it. So to me, it, it kind of sh- shows a weakening of the uh, uh, governor's power because in the past, prior to the governor actually running for, for president, whatever he wanted, mm-hmm. he normally was able to get it by one way or the other. So this is going to be a test, and, and, and I'm looking at it from a standpoint, uh, will this be a test where the House and the Senate uh, will kind of put their own imprint on some of the laws and some of the things that are coming out of the uh, uh, state of Florida, or will it, will the governor be able to maintain that uh, uh, status quo that he had? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Both, as you say, from the political perspective of the governor's been the you know basically the gorilla in the room for a, quite a long time now, and now that he's not a presidential candidate, does he still have the kind of power influence that he had before? Uh, you know, the House passed it one hundred six to thirteen, the Senate passed it uh, twenty three to fourteen, overwhelming. In both houses, and especially in the House itself, you know, huge bipartisan majority, lots of Democrats voting for this bill. And so the question now is, okay, well, I mean, it kind of seems like the kind of thing the governor would be excited about. It seems like the kind of thing he would have advocated before. Now he's questioning. And if he vetoes it, as we talked to Alex Andrade this morning, he says, you know, he's got a veto or sign within seven days and we can always pass it with a two thirds supermajority. That would be interesting to see if Governor DeSantis vetoes and gets overridden, yeah. I mean, that's almost like a whole new day in Florida politics. It, it almost seems like the only way out for him is to just let it sit there and automatically become law. But Not sign but, it, but let it go. It, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he's probably take some type of action. If I'm not a guessing person, but I would I would say he would probably sub, succumb to the uh, support and eventually uh, sign it. I, I, again, I've been very surprised at his reluctance on this because, yeah, yeah. to me, it seems very up his alley as a— conservative social issues activist that you know you know what's what the Dem- what the democrats call culture war issues right um you know it seems like it's very much in in that and vein it, even though it's not it sort of fits with that you know whole process and you know certainly the attacks against social media and media in general and all of that seems to fit with one of the other things that man flash in the pan came and went this week was on monday there was a proposal from i think it was the senate committee to reinstitute the primary runoff process that we used to have in florida until like 2002 Mm -hmm. this is where 
if you won your partisan primary with a plurality, you know, there's five people in the field and you get 30%, which is top but not a majority, you would have to go to a you versus next person runoff in order to actually get a majority. Now, this is partisan races, so it is primaries, and it would cost money. I was a big fan because I I just I see these people who get in and they get elected with like 38% of the vote right, in the right. primary because they stuff the field or other people come into the field. And we have county commissioners who are in this position in both counties, and it would apply to all partisan races. I want that. I want a mandate. I want to know who the people really choose picking head-to-head. Um, I, I favor instant runoff voting or ranked choice voting because it lets you do this in a much more efficient way at the time of the election. But, uh, Andy, you didn't ever run in a partisan election in the city council, but there is a runoff provision for, like, the mayor. You know, last time around we had four people. D.C. got 51% or something like that on the first round, so he won. But, you know, this process of making sure that you get a majority, have a say, I think it's important. What do you think? I think it is. And one clarifier, and I guess um, if the first primary, if the person gets the majority, the majority they're done. They're, they're done. They don't that's have to it. Do that's else. right. Okay. Uh, no, this I think, is only yeah. a contingency. That's, that's right. I, I think it's a good idea because you do want the majority of people. Because like you said, if there's six people running and somebody gets you know 21%, then you know they win. And so it, it just doesn't make sense. And so um, – it would cost more money, which is which is an issue sometimes when you're trying to do something like this because uh, because you know taxpayers don't want to spend any more money; they don't have to. But right. uh, you know, and I, I have to clarify one thing: I I ran for city council twice, and I never won an election because my opponent dropped out the first time, and I ran unopposed <laughs> the second time. So I've never actually won an election before. You're so but, intimidating. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, but no, I, I think the idea of, of, of having a clear cut person that that the majority of the voters want is a good idea. Charles, well, let me make sure I have it right. Um, you're saying that, uh, and and you're saying that if you got if you got two individuals, no problem. Right. But anytime you have two or more, then whoever two or more, then whoever gets the then the top two. If no no if no one get fifty plus one, that's right. Then the top two are going to have to go into a runoff. That's right. So in a, in a in a like so like for example, coming up this year, we have districts one, three, and five in Escambia County County right. Commission of Partisan Race. Um, they're going to run, and if they are in a field in which they have multiple candidates, and so, like, for example, if uh, Stephen Barry is running right. against opponents, let's say there's more than one opponent, and he gets 40% of the vote, the next guy gets 25, and then the next person gets, uh, what's be the I guess, uh, 15, um, or whatever. He didn't get a majority, right. but he got the most of the ones who ran. Mm-hmm. This would have required him to run again against the number two person and get 51%. If, if, right. if. if no one get 50 plus That's one. right. And, and and that was in place. I, I remember in in this particular county and in, in, uh, uh, in races. And uh, I guess I was overseas or somewhere. I must was in <laughs> Germany when we went away with. When I came back, we were at the point where we are now. I, I think the runoff it gives the uh, second tier person most of the time the uh, the person that get the plurality of the majority of the votes end up sometimes winning. But there's a lot of time where that second tier person. Uh, is able to, to to come up and love the playing field. I see no I see no problem and w- I see no problem with that. The two top tier candidates because it kind of goes on. But I can live with it either way. But I rather I rather have it. I think I rather have it where if if there's a it gives that second person another opportunity. And I always think about it too is that you know we have so much of a benefit to being the incumbent, right? I mean, there's so much name right. recognition and just the fact that you're in the news, you're interviewed on the air, you have lots of advantages as an incumbent. And so I always think the incumbent ought to face a direct challenge. Right. And that way you don't have the the claim that, well, I beat all comers. Well, yeah, but did you beat the people who want to vote against you? That's (laughs) the real question. And if all of those people 
you know, aren't put into one choice versus you, then you don't really know whether the electorate wants you or not. And so it's kind of like you never really get that confidence, no confidence vote that I think elections of an incumbent ought to represent. So that's anyway, it's not going to happen. It's dead for this year. We're not going to do instant runoff voting or uh, ranked choice voting. It's illegal in the state of Florida, even though I think it ought to be the way we do elections. But, you know, I'm a political scientist and a philosopher and an idealist, and I have my my things I want to see happen. And, yeah, you know, yeah. so we be both, it. We both. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to uh, Charles Thornton uh, from the he's the vice chair from the Escambia Republican Executive Committee and Andy Terhar. One of the other things that has been. I mean, you know, Alabama, not Florida this time, made national news this week as the state Supreme Court issued a ruling declaring that under existing law, this wasn't like fabricating law, this is under existing law in Alabama, a fertilized egg, an embryo, in, you know, sort of the allegorical Petri dish at the reproductive clinic that's doing IVF, uh, some of them got destroyed, there was a lawsuit, and the Supreme Court ruled that that is legally a person entitled to the same treatment protections and penalties of destroying a person and this has made international news. It's been the big story on that front and in the pro-life cause for you know the last several days since this happened. I'm an avid pro-lifer. I'm a devout pro-lifer. I very much believe that babies in the womb are still people. But even I find my – and logically, yes, DNA, there's nothing that fundamentally changes a group of cells, an embryo from a person. But even I find this one a hard – it's a difficult limit to really push that far. Thoughts, Andy? Well, yeah, that's that's the end of discussion. You know, where does life begin? And 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 you know, in a petri dish, trying to get someone to, to who's do I I I was IVF. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. That's that's something where that person is is trying to, you know, they're having issues obviously with conceiving a natural baby, and so they they want ha- they want to jumpstart the process. But if you make seven and you only end up using three and and which is what you, normal yeah, which, or more what, numbers what right you, yeah what do you do with the ones that are left over i i i don't know that's a very uh, i think they're reaching a little bit but that seems like an, an odd situation for for the supreme court to, to rule on and go no no that's an actual person well here again I, i'm always thinking politics so uh when i want to look at that that may work in alabama you know that may work in alabama the supreme court pushed everything back down to the state I'm pro-life, but I do look at the pro-life and, and, and look at where that can be some exception. I look at the, uh, I get into the uh, trimester type thing and mm-hmm. make sure that we're doing certain things. But in other states, Alabama is, is we're probably, you're probably not going to, the folks over there, I was born in Dothan, by the way, but but Alabama, you're probably not going to, it probably will work in Alabama unless somebody turn it over it's for, from a political standpoint. Yeah. It won't, probably won't work in some of these other states. So that Alabama has its challenges, and I would say to some of the other states, you may not want to go that far or some of the other places because that's a political move on right. their part. So you got you got to make sure that whatever you do when it comes to abortion. And it, may, and it may play this year because the push is going to be to portray all Republicans as radical pro-lifers. Look at what they did in Alabama. This is why you got to vote Democrat. That, that's right. That's, that's how the play goes. You're listening to... News Radio 92.3, WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.